You're listening to the Folklore Forum, your place to discuss folk and fairy tales. Hello and welcome to the Folklore Forum. I'll be honest, I wasn't sure I was going to do an episode this week. Originally, I had something very different planned, but then I fell ill and didn't have time to finish the research. Next episode is going to be about lake monsters, so be around for that. They'll come out in two weeks. This podcast is every other Friday. However, there was a news item that hit the headlines this week in Canada that has a folklore tie to it, sort of, and a personal experience for me. And so I decided to throw together an episode to talk about it. And it It's funny timing because it's a topic that I brought up in the summer with the Folklore Friday email list because it's a piece of lore that I've recently discovered more about and it brings back nostalgia. And a lot of people on my email list were also sharing in their nostalgia as well. So if you haven't put two and two together yet because you're not in Canada, the topic of today's episode is going to be brownies. Brownies in folklore, brownies as in the branch of Girl Guides, and the announcement that was made this week was that the Girl Guides Association of Canada is going to change the name of their group, the Brownies, to something new. We won't know until January. It's going to be based on input from current members of Girl Guides, adults and youth, and it's very exciting. But before we dig into why they're changing it, and the folklore roots, and just what brownies are. Let's just officially launch the episode. If you're ready to escape into the realm of folklore and fairy tales, then come on in. The forum is now open. So as I stated in the little introduction, the Girl Guides Association of Canada is an old institution. It's been around officially since 1912. The original movement for Boy Scouts and Girl Guides came from England. There was a man named Robert Baden-Powell who founded the Boy Scouts and girls felt, young girls felt excluded so they demanded that they create a female branch and they decided to call it the Girl Guides. And in 1909, Robert had his sister Agnes create a program for girls. Now, originally, they were going to call the girls the Rosebuds. I think there was different levels of Boy Scouts, and I'm not familiar with the names because I was not in Boy Scouts. But I was in Girl Guides, and I know that for girls that are between, I think, 5 and 7, 8 or 9, 5 to 9, 5 to 8, somewhere in there, are in brownies. Then as you get older, you go into girl guides. Then as you get older, there's upper levels and they used to be pathfinders and rangers or something like that. Most girls go to brownies. Quite a few stay in girl guides, but the higher up you get in the leadership, the more girls start to drop out, usually because of competing extracurricular activities like sports or dance and all kinds of things. When I was in Brownies, I believe they had recently started something called Sparks, which was for like preschoolers. But in the early 1900s, 
they would have just been the brownies and the girl guides. And originally brownies were rosebuds and the girls didn't like the name. And so brownies was chosen. And I have looked and I cannot find any decisive literature that explains why they chose brownies. I know from my own experience in brownies that there is an element of folklore that's threaded throughout the whole thing. You know, there's always, you go into the gym for the hour-long class, and you'd usually, there's like rituals that you do, like you sing a welcome song, and you do activities, and there'd be crafts, and you would learn things. And the whole concept is just teaching girls a wide variety of skills. And when you prove that you've achieved a certain skill, you get a badge, and you would sew your badge onto your sash. Nowadays, they might be iron-on badges, but when I was younger, it was um, you sew. My mom would sew them on for me, and there'd be a toadstool in the middle of the room, and I don't remember all the processes, but all the girls inside of one troop be like a local area. You know, there'd be many girl guide groups or brown groups in a city based on kind of like your school district, maybe somewhere nearby where you live. And you would usually be divided into houses or groups. And each one of those groups had a um, folkloric character from British folklore. So I remember there'd be groups like the Pixies, the Leprechauns, the Sprites the water nymph or something like that. I can't even remember what groups I was in. I have my costumes, my uniforms in storage somewhere. Um, so one day I'll pull them out and be able to do a deep dive into that. But the funny thing is I did brownies for, I think, four years. I'm not sure how I squeezed in four years, but I think when I started, maybe they didn't have sparks yet. So I started early, something. Um, but when I started, I remember that you had to wear a brown dress. That was part of the uniform. Brown tights, brown dress, a belt with a like a cool little purse with a flap on it, and an orange um, necktie, a scarf that tied around your neck. And after my second year in brownies, they introduced pants. You could wear brown pants and this white and brown striped t-shirt. And I thought that was so cool because by that time, I was over dresses. I hated dresses. So I begged my mom, I'm like, I want the pants and the t-shirt. So that was a big moment. However, I never knew what a brownie was. I honestly thought we were called brownies because we wore brown clothes. I don't know. I've always known about all these other folklore creatures, but it hasn't been until recently that I learned that brownies are a creature in Scottish folklore. It makes complete sense, but I don't ever remember being taught that as brownies, we were modeling this creature from folklore. Okay, why is the association changing the name? Well, there's a huge section of the Canadian population who hear the term brownies and the identity of being a brownie is if you don't know the folklore, which myself having been a brownie didn't even know, it sounds derogative. If you are a person of color and you're looking at a group and saying, do I really want to join a group called the brownies? 
many girls have come forward and said that they don't like the name. It's hurt them to be in brownies and to be called brownies, being a person, being a kid of color. There's also a huge swath of the population that doesn't want to be involved because they don't want to be associated with that name. The whole purpose of brownies is to provide a inclusive, safe space for girls to learn skills and meet each other and bond. And I can't remember what the exact brownie promise was, but it was something about, I promise to help and be a friend. And that's what I remember the most about as we were taught to volunteer, give back to the community, help each other out and just be kind to people. And so if a name is triggering and traumatic for a large group of young girls, that's the last thing they need when they're thinking of joining a group that's supposed to be all about friendship. So as someone who's not connected to the Brownies or Girl Guides in any way, I am excited to hear what new name they choose. I do not have any sentimentality over the name Brownies. I'm always going to talk about my memories as like when I was in Brownies, but I don't feel up in arms about the name changing. For those of you who are like me and are thinking, what on earth is a brownie? I've never heard of brownies in folklore. Chances are you've heard of something very similar. If you've ever read Harry Potter, the house elf creatures are very closely modeled off of brownies. I'm going to highlight some similarities and differences, and then I just want to read a passage about brownies from my favorite Scottish folklore book. So in Harry Potter, the house elves are small. They can be both male and female, but they're essentially servants or even slaves, depending on how how nice or how mean the family is. And their whole purpose is to do chores and housework. Now, if you want to set your house elf free, you give them clothes. And the way that J.K. Rowling wrote her story is that most of these house elves have been conditioned to think that their only purpose is to serve witches and wizards. And that if you give them clothes, it's more of an insult. Except for one. One famous house elf, Dobby, who helps Harry. And the house elves, they stay no matter what. Whether you need their help or not, they're just there to serve. And we kind of see this. They don't really show this in the movies as much, but in the books, Hermione goes on this campaign to find justice for the house elves. And she tries to educate them and liberate them to free themselves and be more independent. But most of them just ignore her. They want nothing to do with it. Brownies are small, bearded creatures. Typically masculine. There's not many many legends or stories that have survived about female brownies. So who knows what people believed 300 years ago. But brownies are loyal to a home while they're in need. They will stick around as long as the household needs their help. And they want to be thanked, but not too much. If you offer them food and milk at the end of every day, they're happy. If you give them too much, like if you try to give them clothes and shoes and riches, they get offended and they will leave. And while they stay, they typically as well help with housework, cleaning, and farm chores. So they have more agency in traditional folklore as to what was done with them in Harry Potter. 
But if you've read or watched Harry Potter, you've encountered a version of brownies. I'm going to read just a small introduction about brownies. And it comes from an illustrated treasury of Scottish folk and fairy tales by Teresa Breslin and illustrated by Kate Laper. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a beautiful, beautifully illustrated book and a great selection of Scottish folktales. But here's what they have to say. The Brownie of Balharn Hill. There are lots of stories about brownies in the folklore of Scotland. Some of them are very scary, indeed. Traditional tales show the brownie to be like a goblin or an elf who works hard but hides himself away due to his shyness and strange appearance. He seeks out a family in need, and when they are asleep, he does the chores and helps in any way he can. It's said that the only reward he wants is food and milk. If any other kind of payment is offered, he will be offended and is liable to leave. This story is similar to the one about the cobbler's elves, the shoemaker and the elves. I think it was told to me, me being Teresa, by her parents to let her know that being helpful around the house should not always require payment. And that does ring true to my experience in the brownies that are part of the Girl Guides or soon to be renamed. And that we were instilled the sense that doing good for others should not require payment. And sometimes you should do good for others without even being noticed. That is a good thing to do. And I suspect that they didn't, they instilled this in us, but they didn't really highlight the brownie as a creature in folklore because a sprite and a fairy and a pixie, they can be really cute when they're drawn. But of all the descriptions of brownies I've ever seen, they're like small, wizened old men with long beards. That's not exactly the image that you want to promote for a a club for young girls. And so when you know the true description and origin of what a brownie is in folklore, it doesn't really make sense that young girls should be named after such a creature. I think it makes perfect sense to change the name. The context is old. You can still keep the values. You can still keep the mission, but you can choose something that makes more sense for the organization, is inclusive to everybody who wants to join, and maybe has a better image that goes along with it. And I mean, they can even change the entire color of the uniform. I don't know what their big plans are, but I'm just saying, if anyone is thinking that this is some big upset, it's really not. I don't think a lot of... um consideration was put into picking this name in the first place. They went from rosebuds to brownies. The Girl Guides Association has evolved over time. You know, instead of focusing only on household chore badges like sewing and cooking and stuff, they have evolved into languages and math. And I'm not really in touch with Canadian Girl Guides anymore, but I know that The American Girl Scouts, which are affiliated, really encourage STEM studies for girls, learning the sciences and technology and engineering and math. So 
this organization has always, always been evolving with the times. And this is just staying in step with what Girl Guides of Canada stands for. So there we have it. I hope if any of you heard this news story and were confused about why why it would matter or why bother changing a name if it's steeped in folklore, I hope this kind of showed you that the origins and the rationale behind the name are as clear as mud and maybe feel a little bit better knowing that, hey, it's time for a change. It's time for something new. That's it for this episode. New episodes of the Folklore Forum are released every other Friday on the website www.folkloreforum.org on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and most places where you find podcasts. Thank you for listening, and until next time, when my voice is hopefully back to normal, I'm Natalie Guttormsen, and this has been the Folklore Forum. Do you want more folklore in your life? Join our free Folklore Fridays membership where you'll receive extra insight into folklore and history, notifications of new podcast episodes, first access to new worksheets, blog posts, and resources, and exclusive short stories written by me, Natalie Gutormson. Plus, it's your chance to share your comments and ideas that help shape future episodes of the podcast. Join Folklore Fridays by visiting www.folkloreforum.org forward slash Fridays.